Kellerman, and uh, he's going to come and two, share the three, word of the Lord four. with us today. God bless. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Tony. I know I said we'd use that, but we won't this morning. Well, I don't think I have to tell you how blessed you are um, with the pastor and wife and staff that you have at this church. Amen? Uh, I am, uh, I, uh, pastor Tony was one of my first um, visits. Um, I decided I would uh, come his way and check things out and um, and uh, we had a great time, had lunch together, and enjoyed time of fellowship. And it is an honor for uh, Jamie and I to be here and to um, be on this district and to um, uh, help give leadership to the flow and the role of the, the Holy Spirit. Um, Jamie and I, um, I wish uh, you'd probably rather hear Jamie uh, preach uh, she's a great speaker, and uh, um, uh, but to, just to give you a little uh, a tidbit of our of our lives, uh, we have uh, two children. Uh, Seth is 33, uh, 34, 31. We're not that old. Thank you. And how old is our daughter? 34. And uh, we have two grandchildren, and um, we are. Uh, enjoying this season of life. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, Jamie and I feel impressed in our hearts to communicate as we begin these early days of being a district superintendent is to impart the words that we just read in this song. And worship team, you did an awesome job. But that, but that line there that is so, so, so stirring to me that uh, in, in essence saying we... We can't go anywhere or do anything unless you come close. And it really speaks to what Jamie and I um, are contending for. That's the word we're using. We're contending for something. And this is how we view our role as your district pastors. You know, um, I'm, I am a strategist. I believe in gathering around a table and talking about what we ought to do and how we ought to do it because um, it, it is worth talking about because there are people who are dying without Jesus in their life and going into an eternity that will be forever without Christ. So that kind of conversation is really important, and I'm a big believer in it, but as we get started, we're, we're contending for some basics, and I just want you to know this morning that from my heart, I, I can't even say this is a, a sermon, Pastor, this is just from my heart. Can I just talk from my heart this morning? I, because I sense the presence of the Holy Spirit here, I, I sense your heart, and, and I just want you to know up front our heart, we bring to this district a desire to contend for the presence of the Lord. Because you can strategize all you want. You, you can talk shop and you can do the nuts and bolts of ministry. But unless we have the Spirit of the Lord on our gatherings and in our leadership and on our boards and in our efforts, we, all of our work is for nothing unless Jesus is present. I couldn't help but thinking when we were singing this song uh, a moment ago, the, the story in Exodus chapter 33. If you, if you know your Old Testament uh, history, you'll know that is, Israel had, had just um, 
failed the Lord miserable, you know, miserably. You know, Moses was up on the mountain and, and the children of Israel got a little nervous and so they built the golden calf. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They built the golden calf and they began to worship the golden calf. And of course, um, uh, they, they, they were used to idolatry and, and their leader was gone and what were they going to do? And so they fell back into their old ways and they started worshiping um, a non-god and so they were punished severely you can go back and read it and so um, in Exodus 33 you have the Israelites and you have Moses who are, are sort of in a corner sucking their thumb and and they're sort of depressed and and downhearted and and um, nursing their wounds if you want to look at it that way and and God comes along and says Moses listen it is time we need to get going you need to get yourself up. You need to get your people up. And we need to get going because I've got a perfect plan. And if you look in Exodus 33, somewhere there in the middle verses there of that chapter, Moses says to God, okay, but if you don't go with us, don't make us go. Moses realized in his heart of hearts, how important it is the presence of God was in their journey. I want to share with you my my heart and soul on the presence of the Lord today, but I want you to understand that I'm not coming at you because I recognize something is missing. No, it's clear to me as I walk in the door and we enjoy worship that the presence of the Lord is in the house. Aren't you glad for that? Um, I felt sort of like at home at Grace Point as we worship together. So, so, so my, my approach this morning is not to tell you what you don't have. It's to help you recognize how blessed you are. It's like, a, and I just want to add more fuel to the fire. Is that okay? Can I add some fuel to the fire this morning? This is the way I look at it. This is how I'm describing it. How many of you love hot chocolate? I love hot chocolate. What I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to put extra chocolate in the chocolate. Is that Okay. Because I want to stir you up. But I've got to go back and give you some context. In 2009, I was pastoring a great church in Conway, Arkansas. When when I say that, usually people say, well, that's where the accent comes from. And I don't even think I have an accent, but 18 years we spent in Arkansas. And I'm a third generation Nazarene, and and, um, I was doing church pretty well. But we had plateaued, and, and, and I was a little discouraged. And so I have a friend who pastors in, in um, Arlington, Texas, Corey Jones, and, and he had built his church on the, the, the foundation of prayer. And, and uh, it was a, a tremendous story. And so, so I thought, you know, he was putting on this conference and, uh, about what, what he had done. And so I, I thought, I'm going to go to my friend's church and I'm going to get some ideas and I, I'm going to help my church and get out of the rut that they're in. And so I went and, and sat. There was about 69 pastors there. And um, we, we met and, and the worship team began to, 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 to worship. And, and it, I was, it was like two notes into it, uh, two phrases into it. And I, and I sensed the Holy Spirit speaking to me like only the Holy Spirit can speak. And I heard him say in his own unique way, Kellerman, the problem is not the church. The problem is you. God began to speak to me about what I was leading with, how I was pastoring. 
and how I, I knew God and I, I knew how to do church, but he was teaching me in those beginning moments of that, this new season of my life that I, I wasn't being the church very well. When I knew in my heart that I had to go back and I had to pastor my church differently, I, I knew change had to come. I, I knew the presence of God was so vital. And in my own spirit, I began to hear the Lord, uh, hear myself say to the Lord, God, if you want me to do this, you're going to have to come with us. Right? So I stood, went back to Conway First Church of the Nazarene, and I stood before my congregation that day, and the time came for me to get up and preach. And out of my mouth, the first words came out of my mouth was this. I'm done, I quit, I'm through. Now, there are a lot of people who are very excited about those three phrases. <laughs> but I told my congregation, first I confessed and said, listen, I, I, I've not been leading right. There's not a moral failure, you know, I've not done anything terrible, but, but I just need to tell you, we can't do church like we've been doing it anymore. And what I learned at, in Arlington, what I, what I knew, what, you know, we talk about prayer so much that it, it's so basic to us that we sort of overlook its emphasis and its power in our lives. And we begin to reincorporate prayer into the life of our church. Not old-fashioned kind of prayer, but, but listen, we, we, we begin to, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a third-generation Nazarene. I, I've already told you that. And and so I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to reach out and ask a question to some of you who have been in the Church of the Nazarene your whole life, or at, at least a conservative-level church. How many of you remember Wednesday night prayer meetings? When the house was full, right? And I can remember as a kid, I can remember prayer meetings where we would all, you know, turn around in our seats and, and kneel at our seats. How many of you remember that? Right. So, and and. We would pray. I mean, like, we would pray. We would pray audibly. We would pray, and you couldn't hear anything else because of the volume of voices ascending to the throne, calling out to God for the lost. And if you remember, people were getting saved, and the presence of the Lord was real, and, and miracles were happening. And, and I just, I remember those days as a kid, and, and I, I'm, so I began to leave my church, not going back to old fashion methods but using new methods to get a hold of the throne room that 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 hebrews tells us we can enter in with boldness and god began to shift our church little by little i can remember our first the first time someone got saved in a prayer meeting you know up to that point i'd been a pastor for 25 years whatever no one's ever gotten saved at a prayer meeting before. Old Donnie, Donnie McElroy, he, he started coming to our Wednesday night program. We'd have a meal before prayer meeting and, and, and age group activities, and then he would go home. He was just there for the food. And then his family would go, you know, do whatever in ministry. And, and so that went on for, for a while, and his wife got in and got saved, and his granddaughter got saved, and, and he had family there, and they would all go to prayer meeting after a Wednesday night meal. And, and one Wednesday night after uh, our, our meal, I, I was going out to the separate building where we had prayer meeting, and, and there was Don. He was walking right alongside about, about uh, six feet social distancing, right? We know what that means now. And I said, Donnie, what are you doing? And he said, well, I'm going to prayer meeting. My whole family's going to prayer meeting. I might as well go to prayer meeting too. We went to prayer meeting, and we began to worship. And the Holy Spirit began to settle down in that place as we prayed and as we worshiped. 
And, and I saw Don. He was over here to my left, about thir- three rows back. And his disposition began to change. He, 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 from, from head to toe, it, it was almost as if his demeanor, his facial, everything sort of began to change. And tears began to fall down Donnie's cheeks. And Donnie would say that that night, he came to know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. I hadn't preached. Not a scripture had been read. But we had been contending for the presence of the Lord. And that night, in the presence of Jesus, Donnie came to know his father. I began to learn lessons about the presence of the Lord like I had never learned before. I, one of my favorite stories in, in the New Testament is, the, is found in, in Luke chapter 8 where Jesus has gone across the lake with his disciples. Remember that story? And, and this is the story where Jesus um, casts the demon out, right? The legion. And, um, and so if you remember the story, he, he approaches and, and, and the demon possessed comes and, and screaming to the, to the feet of Jesus and and um, it just reminds me, that, that point right there just, just reminds me that in the presence of Jesus, through the power of prayer, the enemy has no hold or power. I don't know about you, but, but we live in a day and age where, where uh, it seems that through our circumstances, the, the devil has a, more avenues to get into our lives and disrupt our families and our churches. But I'm just here to tell you that, that the power of Jesus on the scene can deflect the power of the enemy at home, at church, at work, wherever you are. Do you believe that this morning? And so, and so Jesus casts the... The, the, the demons out and, and we read in those verses that when the village people came running to see what was happening because this was a crazy dude. I mean, uh, the Bible says that he was naked and he, 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 he lived in a cemetery and, and he was just crazy out of his mind and when they came, they found the man fully clothed in his right mind sitting at the feet of Jesus. That's what you call transformation, pastor. Transformation. You remember how the townspeople reacted to that? They were so freaked out that they asked Jesus to what? Could you leave, Jesus? Could, could you leave town? This is way too much. And I've thought about that portion of Scripture many, many times. And I think sometimes, church, let's just have an, an honest moment. I think sometimes we are afraid of what God will do if we ask him to come around. Because we serve a God who's a miracle-working God. And when we pray for God to move, he, he raises the bar higher than we would expect. You know, I think sometimes, church, we don't see God move in the way that we want to see him move because our expectations are lower than what God is capable of doing. And he's just waiting on us to raise the level of expectations as we understand what he's capable of doing. And when we do that, God sweeps in and does mighty miracles like a Donnie McElroy in prayer meeting. (laughs) Jesus, could you leave town? This is too freaky for us. And so Jesus didn't do any miracles there. In verse 40, we read that Jesus went across the lake and 
He went into a town, and in verse 40, it says something like, and when Jesus entered the village, the people, were, the people welcomed him because they were waiting for him. You know, when I walked in the door of your building a few moments ago, and was greeted by your friendly um, uh, greeters out at the door and, and the welcoming atmosphere, I sensed that not only were you waiting and welcoming of me, I sensed an anticipation of what you would like Jesus to do. I sensed that. And so that's why I'm investing in this 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 contending for the presence of the Lord because I I just believe that God is getting ready to use you even in these crazy COVID times. God is getting ready to use our weakness to show off his power. But we've got to have him come with us, right? So they welcomed Jesus because they were waiting for him. I I sense a a waiting spirit here for the Lord, an inviting inviting atmosphere. And if you go on in Luke chapter 8, verse 40 and beyond, you'll read that this is the the time where Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. This is the time where Jesus healed the woman that had the blood disorder. And I just want to remind all of us today that when we pray for and we, we invest and long for and are desperate for the presence of the Lord and we anticipate him, he will come and perform miracles that we've only even uh, um, uh, thought about just uh, um, in a small, small way. Can I, can I backtrack a little bit? When I was, uh, when I was growing up, I grew up um, overseas. Uh, my parents were missionaries in Taiwan, and so I like to say I was made in Taiwan. <laughs> my wife hates that joke. I can remember as a little boy gathering with the missionaries in our Sunday night missionary Bible study fellowship, and um, I can remember the prayers of those missionaries. God, we need you. God, we, 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 we gotta have you. Um, Taiwan is very strongly Buddhist and Taoist and Hindu and maybe 1% or less are, are believers. God, we need you. We're gonna go into this village next week, God, and we need you to help us. Tell them about you. Jesus, help us. And then I can, I can remember going that next Sunday into those same villages. And with the prayers of my parents and the missionaries echoing in my own mind, I saw with, with my own eyes supernatural works of God where bodies were healed, people were delivered, those who were demon-possessed were set free. And in my little mind, I connected the power of prayer to the presence of Jesus. I just believe, I'm just foolish enough to believe that this building will stay put. <laughs> I just believe. I don't know how you pray. See, I, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't ask Pastor Tony, Tony any questions. I don't know how you pray, how long you pray, when you pray, what you do when you pray. I just know that you're sitting in a gold mine where all around you are people who are desperate 
to hear the good news of Jesus. And COVID has make, made them even more desperate. And however you're praying, however you function, raise the bar and God will raise his power. It's amazing. I think, I think sometimes, church, this is maybe the toughest thing I'll say all morning, but I, I, think, I think church, big church, across the land, big church, we have come, become so dependent on, on what we have. We're, our buildings are beautiful. Our, uh, we're, we're well-educated. We've got money in the bank for the most part. The reality is for a lot of what we do, we don't need Jesus. But here's the truth. All of us understand how important his presence is for us to do what he's called us to do. You know, before Jesus was crucified, he was, he was walking through the temple and he saw some disturbing things there. And the next day, this is Matthew chapter 21, he goes into the temple and he, we know he, 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 clears the, he clears the temple of the money changers, right? How many know what I'm talking about? He, he, he sees the money changers there and, 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 and they're doing their work because people from other countries had gathered in and so they had to have an, a, a money exchange but the, 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 the fee and the tax was exorbitant so it, it was dishonest and, and it just angered Jesus and we read that he, that he cleared the temple. Have you ever asked what, what it was that got Jesus angry? No, as a kid, Growing up at the church, you know, we had one of those rules that when you had a quartet come in, they couldn't sell their stuff in the foyer because it was in the building. And they used that, th- this verse to, to support that. It had nothing to do with that. You know what really got Jesus angry? It's all this business of the church was done in a space that God had designed for the non-Jews and hurting and suffering to come and worship him. It was the court of the Gentiles. And um, there was a, a place where only Jews could, could cross a line. In fact, there was a, a sign of some type there that said if you were, if you were not a Jew and you, you passed over that line, you would enter on, on fear of, on penalty of death. But where were the Gentiles going to worship? Where were the sick and the lame going to worship? So God designed the court of the Gentiles for them to have a place to come and worship. And Jesus said on that day, he said, my house is, is a, it should be a house of prayer for who? For all the nations. And it was in that space where the institutional church had filled up with all of their stuff which prevented those who had the greatest need to come in. And so Jesus is reminding those people that prayer is a pathway to the heart of God to keep us aware of the needs of humanity and to keep the space clear for his presence to rest. I'm really amazed at the next verse. I don't know, it's... um, Uh, 12 or 13 or 14 in Matthew 21, somewhere in there, and it says that after Jesus cleared out the the court of the Gentiles, the blind and the lame came 
and he healed them. I'm talking about making space for the presence of the Lord. I'm talking about moms and dads in your homes making space for the presence of Jesus in your marriage. One of the things that Jamie and I have hung on to all of these years. We're not perfect parents. We're not even a perfect couple. But one of the things that we have done in most of our marriage is, and we did it this morning in our, in our vehicle coming up here, we pray together. We pray for one another because we know how desperate we need the presence of the Lord in our home and in our relationship. We need them at work. We need them as we raise our kids. The presence of the Lord is vital. My question is, have you filled up the space designed for that for other things? And Jamie and I come not to lecture. You all are smart. You know this stuff. But, but my role as a DS is to, is to start at the basics and remind us of what's most important. There's nothing more important than the presence of Jesus. How many of you like Mexican food? I know you're asking, where did that come from? (laughs) I love Mexican food. In Grace Point, when I was pastoring there, we, on Wednesday nights, would go out with friends to a Mexican restaurant. It was our evening, it was our evening, uh, Wednesday evening routine after prayer meeting. And, and most, most Wednesdays, I would not eat. Um, uh, just by that time, I, I was fasting and I was preparing for prayer meeting. And, and by that time, I was as hungry as could be. So we would, we would walk into the, the Mexican restaurant and we would sit down. And, and I don't know about you, but one of the, my, my most favorite things about going to a Mexican restaurant is the chips and salsa. Because you know when you sit down, you're getting food right now. And I was hungry. And so bring on the chips and salsa. And I had a simple rule. Just a simple rule. Until my food comes, keep the chips and salsa moving. And so I would eat chips and salsa. I would eat chips and salsa. I would just, it was, you know, I was hungry and I, and, 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 and then I would order my food and, and then I would eat chips and salsa and then, and eventually my food would come. And because I had eaten chips and salsa, uh, two or three baskets at that point, guess what I was feeling? See, y'all been there. (laughs) Full. Every Wednesday, I'd eat my meal, and I was just like miserable. And I said to myself, I'm not going to ever do that again. And the next Wednesday... I would come to the Mexican restaurant and I was hungry and I said, bring the chips and salt and I would do it all over again. And by the time the real meal came, I was too full to partake and enjoy. I can't speak for you, but in 2009, when God changed the trajectory of my life, God showed me in no uncertain terms that I was filling my life up with chips and salsa and I didn't have much room remaining for the main course. Does that make sense? And God began to share with me. He began to pull things out of my life that hurt. Here's one simple thing. 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm not proficient in social media, but I, I have it and use it. And uh, I get up early on, on most days to have my devotions, and, and sometimes, sometimes there are, there are things that I want to check on or I've heard about something, and I'll, I'm just going to check a moment. I'm just going to check before I pray. And I'll pull out my phone or my iPad, and I'll, and I'll check, and, and before long, I, I have gone 40 minutes checking on that quick, short thing, and, and I have filled up the space with stuff. Just something simple and trivial like that. God began to show me and teach me and reveal to me places in my life where I was filling up the space, the, the court of the Gentiles, or God's space with chips and salsa, and I wasn't leaving room for the main course. I got filled up with the things of the world and time and stresses and anxieties and selfish wants that, that I didn't have room for the main course. Church, I, I just want to stop right here and even end right here and just say one of the things that Jamie and I are contending for in the church the churches on the northeastern Indiana district, and just believers in general, is that God loves you so much. And he longs to spend time with you. And he's wanting us to make space. He's wanting you to cut down on the chips and salsa. And he's wanting to nourish you his own personal self. I sense your heart and desire. I sense a good cup of hot chocolate here. but I hear the Holy Spirit say, make way for some more chocolate. I'd like you to just bow your heads if you would. And I, it's always hard to know how to give an invitation, how to call people to respond to him and his speaking. And I, I just want you to revert all of this now from a church perspective to a personal perspective. Because that's where it all begins in our own hearts. I wonder this morning as you hear my words and as you hear the heart of what I'm getting at and if you would evaluate your own life and you would say, you know, I love Jesus. I haven't been making as much space for him in my life as I ought to. Maybe somewhere in your life you're sensing that God is asking you <laughs> to cut down on the chips and salsa. Make room for more word, more prayer, more something. Now this is a personal thing. 
But I also think there's value in, in um, responding in sort of an external way. And this is, this is what I, this is all I ask. I won't embarrass you. No one will come to you, call your name out. We're, we don't do that here at all. But if God's speaking you, to you today and he's helping you to recognize that you ought to make more space for him. and you're hearing his voice, and you're, you're saying yes, would you just stand to your feet? Would you just stand? If I was sitting right there with you, I would, I would stand. I would, because I want more of him. So just wherever you're at, if God is speaking to you, I've I got to make some more room. I've got too much chips and salsa going on in my life. I, I want to do that. Thank you. I'd like everyone to stand. Who would please now? Jesus. First of all, I just, if no one else, then for me, I, I confess how easy it is for my life and my mind to wander and to get so busy with my stuff that I don't take time for you like I ought to. God, you know the flesh, it, it, it strives to satisfy itself. And So God, one more time this morning, we, we just say we recognize it. Forgive us for filling up our lives with things other than you. And God, I pray that as you speak to each one of us today in our own unique ways, to each individual in their own unique way, as you, as you begin to talk to them about their routines and their lives and, and what they're chasing this morning, God, would each one of us be able to grasp what you're speaking into us. And just like the people on the other side of the lake, may we open our arms and, and may we welcome you because we're waiting for you lord we want more of you so help us lord if we need to wake up earlier to spend time with you or if we need to cut some things out of our life it's painful surgery is painful lords but but help us do that if if a husband and wife needs to spend more time praying together for each other and their children lord would you help make a way to do that god you know us better than than we know ourselves and Lord, I thank you for this good church, this congregation, Pastor Tony and his wife who labor so faithfully. Their desire is to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Just watching Pastor Tony up here today call this church into your presence just reminds me that the, the, the hunger is there, Lord. So I just pray, Father, that you would, you would um, give uh, this pastor the desires of his heart for his congregation. And, and Lord, as they pray and as they seek your presence, as they figure out how to navigate these days, Lord, would you give hope and encouragement? Would you protect them, Lord? And the staff and the leaders of this congregation. Lord, I want to thank you ahead of time for the miracles that you're going to bring into 
our lives and the life of this church. I thank you, Father, for the prodigals that are going to come home. I thank you, Father, for the bodies that are going to be healed and the homes that will be transformed and the people who will come and the chains of addiction will be broken and life will be forever changed because because this, this place will continue to be a house of prayer and the lame and the crippled will come and they'll be healed because they've made space for you. Lord, we love you today. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O God, today as I just share what you've put in my spirit. And I pray this in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I think he's going to do all right, huh? Looking forward to the uh, years of ministry and, yes, partnership with you, brother, and the district. Uh, thankful for the Church of the Nazarene and uh, what they mean, have meant to me in my life. Uh, I think I'll take you to the Mexican restaurant for lunch today, all right? I'm going to make Katie, though, uh, police your chips and salsa intake, all right? So, or we'll just tell them just keep the chips and salsa. We want the main course. No, 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 no. We like the chips and salsa, right? Hey, if you have not yet, um, there should be some slides.